Before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about another show called Out of the Blank Podcast. It's hosted by a guy named Robbie, and he talks to people from all over the world. Sometimes they're tattoo artists, other times they're doctors or musicians, uh, YouTubers. He even uh, talks to Reiki masters and spiritual uh, teachers. It's very interesting, and I highly encourage you to check it out. I was recently lucky enough to be on his show. In fact, it is out now. It's episode 335. Make sure you check that out along with all of his other episodes. He puts out like an episode every day. It's very impressive. So out of the Blake podcast, check it out. Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I'm Brad. Thank you so much for joining me. I uh, do appreciate that. Hope you're having a great day. I visited a new coffee shop last week, West Pecan Coffee. It's actually been around for a few years, so it's it's not new, but it's new to me. And I love seeing busy, independent coffee shops. It was actually really hard for me to find a seat there. It was so crowded. And for me, it seems like coffee shops fit into like one of two categories. There's the one that's basically like a big living room with uh, bookshelves and board games, a little bit disheveled, kind of like Central Perk on the TV show Friends. And... uh, The other one is more of a modern or minimal look. And West Pecan is more the modern type coffee shop. It's got clean design, uh, subway tiles on the wall. I got an Americano, which is, uh, that's my go-to drink usually, uh, especially when I'm trying out a new spot. And it was very good. I'll, I'll definitely go back. I think my favorite part was that they served it in a real ceramic mug. And I don't know, you usually don't get that these days. You know, even when you're not a to-go customer, it seems like everybody gives it to you in that, you know, paper cup. And maybe it's all in my head, but I I think that coffee tastes better in a ceramic mug. I don't know why. Uh, it's probably psychosomatic, but either way, I really appreciated the fact that they are still keeping it old school that way um they have an active calendar with like trivia night uh live music i need to see what that's all about while i was there i was able to get caught up on social media and uh while i don't actively seek out the news i couldn't help but hear about the coronavirus It's a respiratory illness, and I'm sure you know about this by now, but it's uh, first identified in Wuhan, China. And I think the latest stats, at least uh, from what I've heard, about 12,000 people have been affected or identified as having it. And the last uh, number I saw said that 259 people have died. It's freaking people out, and I, 
I totally understand that. I mean, there's already a bunch of conspiracies about it. Uh, apparently, it's about eight miles away from this facility where it's believed China is working on biological warfare. Um, another theory is that they already have a patent for the vaccine. Uh, so people are kind of losing their minds in all directions on this. And I don't want to downplay the potential risk of a viral outbreak, but 647,000 Americans die from heart disease each year. So that's like one in four deaths. Almost half of all deaths in the U.S. That's just the U.S. alone. And the craziest part of that is, is that it's completely preventable. In fact, a plant-based diet can actually reverse the effects of heart disease. Uh, the best kept secret in medicine is that in most cases, the body heals itself. Uh, I hit my shin the other night on the ottoman. Uh, I was walking through the house. It was dark and I had moved some furniture around forgot all about it and I hit this ottoman right on my shin. It hurt like hell. <laughs> it got really swollen, but in a few days it was healed. And it reminded me of this example that uh, Dr. Michael Greger gives about heart disease. He actually uses the example of hitting your shin. Uh, you know, his story goes like, you know, if I do this every night or let's say I hit my shin three times a day, and I go to a doctor and I talk about how much it hurts, you know, the doctor is gonna write me a prescription for painkillers. So then I can keep banging my shin, but at least it doesn't hurt anymore, right? Because the miracles of modern medicine, I have these painkillers, I can keep banging my shin. This is how we treat heart disease. The miracle cure is to stop ingesting animal products and replace it with a whole food plant-based diet and the body will take care of the rest. But instead of doing that, people freak out over the coronavirus, which coincidentally is also caused by eating animals or seafood in this case. Again, it's not something that we should totally dismiss, this virus, but curing the number one killer is as easy as getting a salad over a hamburger. If there is a conspiracy, it's how the lobbies for these meat, dairy, and egg industries spread disinformation about the topic. They learn from the tobacco industry that you don't have to prove the other side is wrong. You just have to induce doubt. Confusion is the real product. I've said it before that The Matrix is more of a documentary than a fictional movie. I couldn't believe that The Matrix turned 20 years old uh, in 2019. I remember seeing this in the theater. It's based on the idea of the simulation theory. Since the movie, this idea has gained a lot of popularity, but it's hardly new. The theory goes like this. We live in an advanced digital construct that's overseen by a higher form of intelligence. A guy named Rizvan Kirk is an MIT computer scientist. He wrote a book called The Simulation Hypothesis. 
And he has this to say, simply because we perceive the world as real and material does not mean that's so. In fact, the findings of quantum physics may shed some doubt on the fact that the material universe is real. The more that scientists look for the material in the material world, the more they find it doesn't exist. And there's a couple of examples of this. Uh, one of the tests that they do is the famous double slit experiment. And that's where electrons are fired into a photosensitive screen through slits in a copper plate. And this produces an interference pattern that indicates wave-like behavior. But when the same experiment is done during observations, electrons behave like particles instead of waves with no interference pattern. What happens is that our world is made up of probability waves that collapse into single possibilities when they're observed. Physicists call this quantum indeterminacy. This is exactly how a video game works. When I'm playing Minecraft, it only renders the part I'm walking through to save resources. It isn't until I climb the huge mountain and pan across my view of the horizon that it actually renders the rest of the game. The first game to use this technique was Doom. It was an optimization technique where you only render that which the player is seeing. Another example, in 2017, a group of researchers from the University of Washington proved that they could embed malicious computer code into physical DNA. Their aim was to show that computers working with gene sequencing were vulnerable to attack. What they really discovered is that what we perceive to be biological reality has in fact been computer code all along. I mean, just think about 3D printers. They take bits of information and convert that into perceivably material objects. We live in a world of information, not material objects. The more physicists open up the material world, looking past the molecules and atoms, they realize there's nothing there. They can't find any physical matter. Our world is more accurately compared to pixels on a screen than a physical environment. Nick Bostrom is very famous in this field. He is a Oxford philosopher. In 2003, he wrote a paper called, Are You Living in a Computer Simulation? And he states that at least one of three possibilities are true. All human-like civilizations in the universe go extinct before they develop the technology capable of creating simulated realities. Or, if any civilization does reach the phase of technological maturity, none of them will bother to run simulation of their evolutionary history. And then there's door number three. Advanced civilizations will have the ability to create simulations. If just one civilization was able to reach the simulation point, probability says that we are almost certainly living in a computer simulation. I love what Elon Musk has to say on the topic. There's several interviews with him out there and he always tells the same story. 
he says that 40 years ago we were playing Pong and everyone thought that was, you know, groundbreaking video game. I mean, it was at the time. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was at my uncle's house and he pulls out the ColecoVision and he, he explains to us what a video game was. And it kind of changed my life. <laughs> um, but think about how basic Pong is, you know, two um, vertical lines hitting a dot back and forth. Now, fast forward that just 40 years later to where we are now with, you know, 3D simulated games that people play online. And think about like 100 years past that, Elon says that video games will be absolutely indistinguishable from reality. He goes on to say that the odds of us living in baseline reality are one in billions. And the logic behind what he says there is that we're already really good at making simulations and we're getting better all the time. In 2014, the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics connected 8,000 computers in order to create a 350 million light year simulation of our universe. They digitally aged this over 13 billion years. I mean, we use simulations to predict hurricanes, weather patterns, uh, earthquakes. The fact that we can produce simulations make it very likely that we're in a simulation. Question is, what kind of simulation and who's controlling it? Or another way to ask it is, what's outside the simulation? One theory is that it's future humans. They could be running simulations on past civilizations to see how we became who we are now. Or maybe they're trying to work out problems uh, like global warming or wars, things like that. And if you're a religious person, you could say that it's God or angels. Uh, religion is not without references to a simulation. Think about the Eastern religions. At birth, we download consciousness. And then at death, the information is uploaded, like to a cloud server. The Buddhists believe that the soul is nothing more than just a bag of karma, which is really just information. And reincarnation could be looked at like an algorithm. There's a quote from the Buddha saying, all phenomenon are like reflections in a mirror, devoid of any inherent existence. It kind of sounds like he's talking about the pixels. <laughs> Even Western religions have an idea about this. Um, they have the concept of these angels that write down all the good and bad things that we do. And what if that's nothing more than an AI entity recording these things? I mean, it makes a lot more sense to have AI doing this than millions of sentient angels transcribing everyone's deeds into a physical book. Another thing to ask is on the subject of free will. If we do live in a simulation, there's one of two likely scenarios. We could be what's called NPCs or non-player characters. These are characters in a video game that are not autonomous, but probably think they are. 
and they do not exist outside the simulation. Or we could be RPG or role-playing game where you exist outside the simulation much like Neo did in the Matrix and the body as you know is basically an avatar. This is where consciousness exists outside the simulation. To go even further down this rabbit hole, the Oxford philosopher I mentioned earlier, Nick Bostrom, says that if a civilization does reach the simulation point, they would most likely create numerous simulations. It would be as simple as uh, setting up a new server. They could create millions of simulations, so statistically in this scenario, given the odds of being real or simulated, I'm most likely simulated. That's why Elon Musk said that the odds of being in baseline reality is one in billions. A writer that I really like is Philip K. Dick. He wrote the story Man in High Castle, which depicts an alternate reality where the Germans won World War II. And he strongly believed that we were living in a simulation which inspired him to write this story. His theory was that in the simulation, the Germans won, but the architects didn't like that version. So they unwound it and uh, had an alternative version where the allies defeated Germany and Japan. This could explain why we have things like the Mandela effect, you know, where people remember alternate versions of history. It's sort of like the control Z or you know undo to the aspects of the simulation that the architects want changed or uh, to be a separate simulation altogether possibly. Either way, it's an interesting way of explaining the Mandela effect. So why is this important, right? Uh, I still have to go to work, I still have to pay taxes, <laughs> but if we accept that there is no physical world and it's all made up of energy and information, the rules that we've been taught begin to change. Concepts that were first hard to believe and esoteric like manipulating one's reality sound a lot more plausible in a simulated world. One of my favorite scenes in The Matrix was when Neo was watching the kid bend the spoon. And he tells Dio, the secret to bending the spoon is that there is no spoon. My goal is to make it an interesting simulation so the simulators don't shut me down. I'll link Nick Bostrom's paper he wrote in 2003, Are We Living in a Simulation? Also, check out Rizvan Verk's book, Simulation Theory. I really appreciate you for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please recommend it to a friend. You can find me on all the regular social media platforms under The Coffee Buzz Podcast and my website, thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Thanks again, and I will talk to you next week.